Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is intended for entertainment and opinion. Nothing discussed is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. My name is Grace Fowler, and today we are talking about a nebulous concept called Pick Me Girls. Now, I want to set this up by saying that the reason I wanted to cover this is because I noticed it was a bit of a TikTok trend in the last few months, Um, but this term or trend on the internet has existed for a long time, Um, and even the, the term has existed in pop culture for a long time. So I figured we could cover kind of the term, where did it come from? What does it mean? And how is it uh, a harmful term and rooted in misogyny? (laughs) So I'm going to take us through some of the stuff that I found about this term, some of the examples of it that you may know as tropes from different types of media, um, and then what we can do to kind of combat this kind of internalized and externalized misogyny inherent in the term. So That's a little overview, but I'm going to go ahead and have us jump in with a little discussion of pick-me-girls. So the definition of a pick-me-girl is essentially a woman who attempts to separate herself from other women in an attempt to be picked by men over the so-called competition. Um, If you look this term up in Urban Dictionary, you'll also see definitions including things like um, a, a woman who will throw other women under the bus to gain male attention. So the basic concept is doing doing things to gain male attention at the sort of deficit or detriment to other women or relationships that one has with other women. So that's where the, the pick me is coming from. It's like a pick me over the other women, particularly when it comes to like romantic situations, right? Like wanting a man to pick this woman over over all other women. Um, related concepts that you may be familiar with are phrases like not like other girls, um, one of the guys, or the cool girl. Um, the pick me girl is often embodied by catchphrases like, like I mentioned, I'm not like other girls, or women are so much drama, which is a way to kind of differentiate the pick-me girl from other so-called less women and become more appealing to men. Um, An example, well, a rather extreme example of this is from the book and film Gone Girl. So if you're familiar with that um, particular story, there is a scene in which the main character, Amy Dunn, has a speech where she talks about becoming the cool girl and she talks about drinking beer around her boyfriend or, or the man that she wants to become her boyfriend, you know, watching sports, um, not dressing up so pretty, dressing more masculine, basically changing herself to be exactly what the the man wants and that um, within this speech she talks about how 
men seem to think they want uh, a girl who doesn't care about being feminine, um, even though they eventually hold that against you. <laughs> um, but that to to get a man's attention, one has to change themselves to be more masculine, and that that is part of her kind of M.O. in the book and in the movie is that she changes herself to be exactly what her partner thinks he wants. Um, and then when he is unhappy with that, she uh, takes revenge. <laughs> but that can be a whole another episode to talk about Gone Girl. But I always really liked that speech in the in the film. I think it's really delivered well in the film, but it is also replicated in the book. I always thought that was such an interesting kind of look at this um, this phenomenon, and uh, uh, the character of Amy Dunn is really conscious that this happens, whereas I would argue that when we see this behavior like out in the real world, it's not always conscious. There, it's not necessarily a intentional or purposeful like shutting down of other women or shutting down of one's own like femininity or identity as a woman, but it is uh, it is a subconscious project process. So the Gone Girl speech is so interesting because she's so aware of it and she's able to articulate like, this is why I do it. And if I don't do it like this, then I would not have the husband that I have now. So that that's like, a, a Gone Girl is like an extreme example of this phenomenon. But more recently, we've had uh, an emergence of the trend on TikTok. And if you look up the hashtag pick me girl on TikTok, you'll see that there are over 1.4 billion views um, of the content under that hashtag. So this is like quite a popular and quite a recent um, trend basically on, on TikTok. Um, however, some of the articles that I, I was reading about this mentioned that the the internet's relationship with pick me girls actually started more more likely in 2016 on Twitter where there was um, a, a, a hashtag called tweet like a pick me where people would tweet out um, kind of like stereotypical things that a pick me girl might say and that that was happening on Twitter if you were on Tumblr at any time um, in like the mid 2000s like 2010 you probably also saw this trend as well or heard this term. So it's been around for a while. And we also, we have these other terms, right? Of like, not like other girls or, or cool girl or whatever. Um, they, they've been around for a while. But I thought it was so interesting that it seems to be picking back up in popularity, especially on TikTok. And this seems to be a trend that kind of works its way through each social media platform as it arises. So I'd imagine that any new social media platforms that arise after this point, we'll see a, a similar um, pick-me-girl trend. So what is it? What is the trend on TikTok? And essentially, these TikTok videos are of uh, typically young women making videos about um, like these POV videos, right? A point of view of someone interacting with a pick-me-girl. And the pick-me-girls will say things like, oh, I don't want to be partners in class with a girl. I want to be with the boys. Or oh, after school, I'm going to play Fortnite with the boys. Now, I understand that this is children, so some of the children's references are are not as maybe accessible to some of my older audience members, um, but it's, it's little things like this of uh, little comments to other women about what the, the other women are interested in as it being silly, as it being worthless, um, and that this the the pick me girl is wanting to establish herself as 
truly like one of the boys and is as separate from separate from other women and, and and like deserving a special attention of like oh she goes home and plays Fortnite with the other boys like she gets special attention from the boys that the other girls aren't gonna get and I acknowledge that this is like a it's pretty heavily rooted in like heterosexuality and uh heterosexism right this belief that like the norm is heterosexual cisgender people um and there there is a lot about very rigid gender roles wrapped up in pick me girls which i'm obviously going to get into later but i do want to acknowledge that you know some of the stuff that you might find if you look up this trend or look more into this uh if you if you want to see more examples on your own is uh it's a little reductive in its uh it's a, a gender politics um so that's just you know i just want to acknowledge that um but so that that's basically what the trend is is like these little videos of giving these examples of things that a pick me girl would do now one of the articles that i was reading talked about the extreme of the pick me girl like if we took it all the way to its like logical conclusion what does that look like and the author described this being women who negate the fact that there are gender wage gaps who hold beliefs that women can't do certain jobs like be the president um, and believe that feminism does more harm than good so essentially taking the pick me girl identity so far that you're regurgitating sexism back to the men to be chosen by them, right? Of like, oh, like like buying into sexism so much that you're putting down your own self and saying like, yes, I shouldn't be allowed to be president as a woman because women are too emotional. So, and I'm sure everyone listening has encountered this extreme form before, whether it's online or in your personal life, because these are unfortunately beliefs that people do hold in in the real world and i uh the the article actually pointed to a a tweet from caitlin bennett who is like a conservative influencer person and her tweet was like uh, i would rather lose the right to vote than the right to bear arms like women shouldn't be allowed to vote because we uh we always vote for democrat issues and um like slick soft touchy-feely issues and she doesn't agree with those issues so that that's like the continuation of it of like and it really is this just like fully buying into sexism and and like negating all of the progress that women have made in the U.S. uh, specifically and you know this is really centered in like U.S. culture and um, a a couple of the videos that I was watching did talk about like pick me girls um, in other cultures like there was a a Japanese woman who who made a video um, and a few others so there are like example examples of other cultures um and how the pick me girl maybe manifests there but i'm pulling mostly from examples from the u.s but i know that um there are people listening to this from other countries so i would be happy uh to hear from you and like would love to hear from you about how this trend maybe manifests in your culture uh or in the country that you live in and maybe it's a little bit different um but as always you can email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Um, but anyway, so so that's the, the, the spectrum we're looking at, right? From the very end, uh, the, the light end of the spectrum being things like I don't wear makeup to the extreme heavy end of the spectrum being things like women shouldn't be allowed to vote. I, a woman, believe women should, shouldn't be allowed to vote. Um, so, so that's the trend in a nutshell. Now, I want to preface the next piece before I dive into kind of theory and, and opinions um, from, from what I was reading and preface this by saying that like I, as a like preteen teenage girl, definitely fit into this category of like a pick me girl of thinking that it made me really cool to 
not be like other girls um, and to like pride myself on never wearing dresses or skirts, um, especially as a preteen. Like I refused to wear dresses or anything that was like overtly feminine. I like only wanted to wear pants um, and I like was never, I didn't want to be interested in things like lip gloss or painting my nails even though those are things that I like, <laughs> like those are, those are things that I like. And now as an adult, like I really enjoy painting my nails and I wear makeup, uh, you know, whenever I want to. Um, but as a child, especially a child who was about to go through puberty, um, those things held a lot of weight and uh, it felt really hard to make my own identity stand out. And so I think that's why I turned to kind of this like pick me girl or like cool girl aesthetic of wanting to, to be different than all the other girls. So, and that's something that I think I carry into the theory behind this, this topic is that I think there is a very difficult period of time, which is adolescence, <laughs> uh, where the child's goal is to form their identity, right? Moving from childhood to adulthood, one of the key things that we do is kind of figure out who are we, right? What are our values? What is important to us? What kind of jobs are we going to have? What kind of friends and partners do we want to have around us? And in making those decisions, we are laying out like what is our identity as a person? um, And also like what is our identity our gender identity, right? Not just like, do we identify as somewhere along the spectrum of male and female or outside the spectrum, but how do we want to build the things we like around our gender and how do we want to express our gender to other people? So I think that really underlies the pick me girl um, kind of phenomenon is young women in a kind of vulnerable place trying to figure out who they are, trying on different behaviors, but not having the language with which to describe how those behaviors fit into their identity as a woman or as feminine. So that's my thesis statement (laughs) for what I think is underlying this. Um, And you know, last week I talked about the show Big Mouth, which if you want to go back and and listen to that episode, it's it's number 20. Um, But you know, that, that was about puberty. And I talked a lot about how the show really spends time on how these kids are developing parts of their identity, like their sexuality and their gender identity. And so I think this this episode this week flows really well from that conversation of, you know, being in a very difficult time and trying to figure out what your identity is. And the difference is that for this generation, particularly for our Generation Z or Gen Z, the kids that are you know coming up behind me, uh, they're doing this all online, right? Like they're figuring out their identities on the internet in a very public way with their peers and even their elders and people they don't know watching it happen. And so I think that's why some of these trends take off or maybe spiral in a way that they they weren't intended to spiral um, because the pressure of going through this like identity development very publicly uh, is a lot, is a lot of pressure. And for those of us who grew up in a time before the internet or a time before the internet was easily accessible, right, you had to like dial up onto the internet in your mom's bedroom, Um, like it wasn't in your pocket, Um, a lot of these things didn't happen for us, right? We got to kind of explore our our identities in a very private way, Um, and that, that maybe felt public, that felt like our friends and peers were watching it happen, but in reality was a much smaller sample size of people um, experiencing our puberty. Um, And so yes, that's what I think is happening here is that this, this trend is 
really just kind of a, a mirror of how, especially particularly women who, who are often more often surveilled, um, are working through identity development and it's getting blasted across the internet and that is kind of perverting um, the process. And, and I'm going to talk about why I think it's a perversion. <laughs> um, but enough teaser, let's dive into to some of this um, this background stuff. So essentially uh, what's happening with a pick me girl is an attempt to distance oneself from what might be called feminine practices. So like I was saying, this is kind of really digging into like some gender, rigid gender roles, right? So let's use the example of, of a pick me girl that says um, she doesn't wear makeup because she just wants to, um, you know, not, not look like a clown, right? She wants to look natural, not look like a, a, a clown, right? This is something that the pick me girl says. So let's take that, right? So, you know, the underlying assumption here is that wearing makeup is an inherently like feminine practice, which it's not, right? Lots of people can wear makeup, but that the, by the pick me girl saying, I don't wear makeup because I don't want to look like other girls is inherently saying that, well, girls have to do this and boys have to do this, right? Like putting, putting them against each other and saying that these are like dichotomous categories that can't be crossed. So, you know, a, a boy, boys definitely can't wear makeup because the girls are wearing makeup and I'm trying to be not like girls, right? With the implicit assumption being I'm trying to be like the boys. So in doing the pick me-ism, <laughs> the pick me girl s- stuff, it's drawing these lines between here's what a boy can do and here's what a girl can do. Um, and, and we know that that's just like not the reality, especially as we get older, right? And, and boys get manicures and girls play sports and, you know, these things are not tied to whatever your gender identity is and that it's possible to enjoy multiple things, right? Like enjoy playing Fortnite with the boys and also enjoy wearing sundresses. And that doesn't mean that one's identity has to be like shattered into a thousand pieces, but you can incorporate that into your identity as a, a woman or as a man or a non-binary person, right? So that that's one of the main issues is that the pick-me-girl behavior splits these gender roles or, or creates these very forced um, gender roles. So that's that's the way that it creates these gender roles, but where does this like pull to make these pick me girl statements come from and uh, several of the articles that I read seem to be in consensus that it's internalized misogyny. So if you've never heard of that term before, internalized misogyny means that the the misogyny or the the hatred of femininity, hatred of woman, women is coming from within inside the woman or the female person. So rather than it being directed at you from society, right of like um, men telling you you what you can do and can't do, or of systems, uh, you know, like discriminating against women historically for being the caretakers of children. Um, instead of it coming from those sources, it's coming from inside oneself. And there's lots of research, like in social psych, about internalized oppression in general, because any type of oppression, such as racism or homophobia can become internalized um, and then the person kind of wages that war against themselves from within themselves. So pick me girls are essentially engaging in this internalized misogyny that tells them I can't like certain things and be respected. <laughs> like that's really what it boils down to, right? Of Like I can't like 
girly things because girly things are bad or weak, so I can't like those things. And if I want to get attention or romance or relationships with men, I have to disregard all feminine things because those are inherently bad. That's the experience of internalized misogyny. And for most of us who present as women or identify as women, we have probably experienced this and it sucks. <laughs> I can I can say that from personal experience, like it sucks and it's hard to identify in yourself. Um, but if you find yourself like bagging on interests you have that are more feminine versus the interests you have that are more masculine, um, it, it might be a little bit of internalized misogyny, so it's just something to, to be aware of. So what's happening for the pick-me girls is that they m- aren't aware of this internalized misogyny, and this is where I think it it becomes an unconscious pro- process, right? It's, it's not necessarily on purpose, is that the pick-me girls don't yet understand why they feel this pull to be masculine or be loyal to men and distancing themselves from other women or women identifying people, um, and that it's that inability to unpack the internalized misogyny that is uh, coming out in the pick-me-girl-isms. And I think that reality is sad. There is like a, I, I feel a sadness toward that of this being an expressed behavior of someone who is experiencing kind of like an inner hatred of themselves or an inner rejection, like rejecting their own selves for, for things that they may be into or feel pulled to. Um, and it's it's quite limiting, right, to like only believe that I can engage in like certain behaviors as a woman versus a man. Um, and then if I want any attention from men, I have to do the opposite of what maybe I do want to do or maybe what my peers are doing. Um, and, and there was one article I read by... I believe Tricasso or uh, Rosenbluth, um, both of these authors talked about kind of this internalized misogyny and talked about wanting to have empathy for the pick me girl, which I thought was like very beautiful. <laughs> um, and, and they talked about like, you know, this seeing it again as this like painful experience of like, um, this is a symptom of women who live in a very like, restrictive and male-centered society, right, of believing that these male-centric standards, right, that to be a leader, you have to be masculine, you have to forego your femininity, and if you don't forego your femininity, you're bossy, uh, or other B words, um, or these, like, these rejections of parts of themselves because they don't fit into, like, a traditional or toxic masculinity. Um, And their, their argument, both of the authors made very similar arguments, that it's not that we should necessarily accept pick me girls for all of their behavior that we shouldn't like reward or encourage this um competition between women or this like distancing from women in an unhealthy way um but that we you know we can't accept those behaviors but we can have empathy for them um and try to understand how this is a an expression of oppression, internalized and externalized oppression on on the woman um, who's engaging in that kind of behavior, and that when we have empathy for someone, we can engage with them in a in a more meaningful way, um, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> and there is we do have so much evidence um, in the research to show that like empathy is an important aspect for. Uh, interpersonal functioning, right? Like being able to get along with other people, we we have to have empathy, which means 
we have to be able to at least understand their perspective. It's not necessarily exactly taking on their perspective, but it is understanding their perspective. And for those of us that maybe are able to know what internalized misogyny feels like and consciously recognize it, we can have an understanding of what it was like before we understood um, our internalized misogyny, right? We can kind of lean on those past experiences and say like, yeah, that was a rough time in my life. And I can have empathy for someone who's still going through that. Um, But like my role in relating to you is to kindly point out those experiences and um, those differences in our experiences. Now, I think the problem comes is that on social media, those like gentle conversations and empathetic conversations are really difficult to have, especially on a format like TikTok, where only one person is creating the video content and the rest is coming from comments where things like tone and expression of emotion are very difficult to portray. Um, And I think that dynamic is contributed to what some of these authors say are the... um, call-out portion of the pick-me-girl trend, which is basically where the TikTok trend uh, went a little too far. (laughs) So, like, I I, I was giving examples before of of what a pick-me-girl might say, and it was things about, like, makeup or playing certain sports or, um, you know, like, playing video games after school. But uh, what began to happen as the trend moved along was people were making TikTok uh, videos about, like, very... Uh, specific (laughs) traits that are uncontrollable. So saying like, pick me girls are short. (laughs) Like you can't, there's nothing to do about that, right? Like some people are short. Um, And that some of the people making the pick me girl videos um, were accusing basically every woman of being a pick me girl. Like anything a woman did on the platform was then responded to and said, that this is evidence of being a pick me girl. And so it turned into this like call out culture where uh, women were continuing to police and surveil each other about what their behavior was. So in in essence, what happened with the trend is that those people who were making fun of pick me girls or pointing out that it wasn't necessarily the best way to behave, then proceeded to behave in that same way and began to attend in an attempt to distance themselves from pick-me-girls to do exactly what they do to each other, <laughs> to, to distance themselves, right? Of being like, well, I'm not like the pick-me-girls. I'm not like other girls, right? Um, and so it just became this, like, self-perpetuating cycle of one group denigrating another group in an effort to make the first group stand out um, or, or deserve more attention, or even some of the the videos that I watched, there, there was like this inherent self-righteousness of like, I have the best identity as a woman because I don't do these things, whereas you are a failure or bad at being a woman because you do pick-me-girlisms. Um, but in that tone, someone is doing the exact same thing that they were calling out the pick-me-girls for. So... And I also bring this up to just be like, you know, if you go onto any of the tags or look up any of these videos, you may find some things that are like confusing. Like, why is this a, a pick me girl ism or issue? Um, and it, it may be a direct result of this call out culture of like every little thing from height to weight to hair color um, became 
something to be called out for of like potentially being a, a pick me girl for engaging in. And, and I, I know I've said this multiple times about it being a, a way of surveillance. Um, and I do want to like spend some time on that because uh, surveillance is a, is a way in which we perpetuate oppression against each other. Um, and I'm going to focus mostly on like misogyny and sexism, um, but this is a thing that happens in, in all forms of oppression, right? All the isms, this, this idea of like surveillance of others, but you know, within gender, particularly like very rigid, more what we would call traditional gender roles, um, there is a lot of surveillance, which means we're watching each other to see how the other person behaves and then determining if, if their behavior matches with what their prescribed role is or not, right? So like all of these examples of um, watching other girls and saying like, oh, well, you're not into uh, like baking. That means you're not feminine enough, right? Um, and the same thing happens for men, right? Of And again, I know I'm using the binary, but this is <laughs> just <laughs> roll with me here. Um, you know, same thing with men, right? Of like, oh, if a man isn't interested in watching sports, right? The Super Bowl is coming up. If you're not interested in watching the Super Bowl as a man, um, you're not doing masculinity right. And I think, especially for older generations, you may have experienced this in a lot more aggressive ways of, of being policed. Um, and I know that growing up, I have a younger brother um, and there were things that he maybe was interested in or things that he wanted to do that um, there would be teasing around of like, boys don't do that. Um, and things that I was interested in that it was like, girls don't do that. And, you know, quite frankly, we would do it to each other, right? I would surveil him <laughs> about his gender roles and he would surveil me. Um, and, and it, it happens with, with all of our peers, right? It, it's when we get to school, uh, you're told, oh, well, girls only like this thing, or boys only like this thing. Girls can have stickers on their binders, but boys can't. And notice how that is coming from a peer level, right? It's not, it does come from adults, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are plenty of you out there listening who had adults tell you, like, you're not allowed to do certain things because you're a, a, a boy or a girl. And I wish that this was a video podcast so you could see the amount of finger quotes I've been doing um, throughout throughout the episode. But none, nonetheless, um, you know, you you may have also had adults tell you that you can't do this or that or you can't have this or that haircut or blah, 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 blah. Um, but a lot of this comes from our peers, right? Of like the, a lot of the bullying or teasing you may have experienced on the playground or in school was probably around your gender and how you expressed or performed your gender. And if you were doing it right or not. Um, and some of the research about like gender development has shown that in school age children, once they hit that, that school age, particularly like six or seven, when they're really in structured school from like first grade on, gender roles really get locked in. Um, and the kids are kind of monitoring and surveilling each other on, on gender. Um, and it can be really hard for kids who maybe don't have um, their gender identity in a like locked down in a way where they can describe it or maybe they have a gender identity that's more fluid and doesn't fit into the categories of the peers around them um, and that's where we then get into things like gender dysphoria and uh, transphobia um, which this episode is not about but that's the uh, I think that is as a related issue but you know a lot of us especially those of us who are older we experienced that surveillance like on the playground right and it was like you know, 30 kids in your class, you were all surveilling each other subconsciously, of course, right? There's not a, you know, children aren't sitting around being like, today I'm going to make sure that 
Billy does three boy things and Jane does four girl things. You know, this is a subconscious social process. But but that was it, right? It was maybe the 30 kids in your class. Maybe if you played on a sports team, it was a few other kids or, you know, we're in a community center. But for the most part, it was like the kids you saw every day, right? Like you had relationships with these kids. You, you were doing the surveilling back to them. But now we take this this concept of like surveillance of gender and we put it on the internet <laughs> like especially on something like TikTok where uh your videos get recommended based on an algorithm so people that you don't know that you've never met before are seeing your videos especially if you are starting to gain an audience your videos are going to be shown to more and more people and especially if you're doing a trend right where you're latching onto a hashtag uh, I don't know if they're called hashtags on TikTok. I really, I don't know much about TikTok, but you're latching onto a tag um, in which other people who are interested in that tag are going to see your video over and over again. And all of a sudden, the community in which you're participating in this gender surveillance with has exponentially grown, right? It's And it's no longer people that you see every day and interact with regularly. It is now potentially hundreds if not thousands of people that you've never met that you have no relationship with uh you may have a parasocial relationship with but you don't have a real interpersonal relationship with and they are now engaging in gender surveillance and there are uh ways in which people can now comment on their on their gender performance right like literally in the comments um and you know an interesting thing that i know is because i mostly watch the TikTok videos on YouTube, which I know is like what an old woman I am. <laughs> but in look, looking at like pick me girl compilations on YouTube, I was reading through the comments and some of the people were, um, some of the comments were things like, uh, you know, oh, she shouldn't act like that. Or, oh, that is so annoying when girls do that. And that was kind of the surveillance. But it was interesting to see that not all of the comments were that horrible and some people were actually commenting and saying like hey remember that pick me girls may be dealing with internalized misogyny like i literally saw a comment that said that um or saying like oh omg i had a pick me girl phase and like now now i'm fine and and i like feminine things or people saying like hey don't get it twisted like tomboys are not the same some of us like to do masculine things and have um more male friends but we also, you know, have women friends. So there was an interesting discourse in the comments on YouTube, but this is, again, not comments that are directly to the creator. So, you know, looking at the comments on these videos directly to the creators who are making these videos, or maybe they're making the videos, but they are making, they're, they're not making pick me girl videos, but they're making videos in which they are doing pick me girl things um, and having the comments kind of reflect that and say things to them about how they are engaging with their gender. Um, that's like pretty extreme um, uh, surveillance, right? Like that's like, that's so extreme because now all of these people who are largely strangers are commenting on how you are expressing yourself and expressing your gender. Um, and I would imagine that if you're in not a great place or if the comments are very harmful, they could contribute to increasing that sense of internalized misogyny, right? Of like, 
um, or, or even if one makes a video about pick me girls and then the comments like reinforce that belief, it reinforces that internalized and externalized misogyny, right? Of saying like, oh, other girls are bad when they do this. I'm not like other girls because I don't do the pick me girl stuff. So again, it contributes to this like cycle of the trend going so far that it um, essentially just replicates itself and by calling out a pick me girl, you essentially become a pick me girl. Um, and, you know, I did just want to throw out that uh, I did find this research from 2021, actually. Um, it was a, a master or a, a, a dissertation that I found uh, out of Western State University that looked at implicit and explicit um, internalized sexism. Um, using The Bachelor. So if you want to, if you like The Bachelor, it's it's quite a fascinating read. Um, but as the the author of this paper basically was just pointing out that there's a lot of previous research that connects internalized oppression. So in general, right, that includes like internalized racism or internalized homophobia. That internalized oppression in general is associated with lower self-esteem. Um, and so, you know, with associations, like correlations, those things can go both ways, right? So low self-esteem may then actually be related to higher internalized oppression. So this can create a cycle, right, of someone has high internalized oppression, they don't feel great about themselves, that internalized uh, oppression is reinforced, so they continue to not feel great about themselves. And in an effort to feel better about oneself, right, to increase one's self-esteem, they engage in behavior that like differentiates them, right? Of like, well, I am special so I can feel better about myself, um, which directly leads into the pick me girl trend. So I, I think that, um, you know, when, when talking about this, it is really important to talk about this kind of cyclical nature um, uh, of these things, these bi-directional relationships and how we have to be careful of, of how certain things we do or certain beliefs we hold influence other things and other self-perceptions. So um, I just wanted to kind of tag that in there of like, this is kind of the outcome it can have on your mental health, right? Of like this internalized oppression can impact your self-esteem, your your ability to essentially believe in yourself, right? Believe that you can do things and have high regard for yourself. And when this is happening for adolescents in this like very delicate developmental stage, uh, self-esteem is really, really crucial and also really, really fragile. So you can see how this is such a bad recipe um, for someone going through this stage of life. Um, but yes, all, all of that to say that, you know, the pick me girl trend has existed for a while. We've, it, it is in media. You may, even if you grew up before the internet had experienced things like this, but the addition of social media and internet use has, I think, exacerbated this cycle and this trend. And so my kind of caution or my takeaway would be that when engaging with this type of media, if it comes across your, your social media, of just like taking a pause before engaging or commenting, you know, even even engaging in the way of like liking a video, um, which is like taking a moment to pause to be like, what is this really about, right? Like, is this somebody processing like their own identity, their own gender in real time? And if it is that, do I need to comment on it? <laughs> you know, do I need to lean into the surveillance? And I think even the action of like liking or reinforcing through I don't know, 
know, thumbs up, upvotes, whatever <laughs> mechanism um, by uh, engaging in the video that way. We're also participating in the surveillance, right? Because we're, we're saying like, we approve of this thing by liking it and of, of like reinforcing this behavior, do it again. We watched you do this behavior and we think it's good, so do it again. Um, and particularly as the trend like moved into the call out phase, right? Of like people were getting reinforced in calling out pick me girls. And so in order to continue to get the reinforcement, you had to keep calling out more and more things until essentially people got all the way to the point where they were calling out girls for things they can't control, right? Like their height or whatever. Um, and so that that's that's the, the takeaway that I have from this topic is like, just kind of the nature of social media, how we engage in essentially surveillance of each other and how we can have a more mindful and essentially empathetic way of relating to each other by not inherently rewarding or reinforcing certain um, ways of acting, particularly when it comes to like this trend, like the pick me girls. Um, and, you know, I do want to end on a note of just saying like, I do have such deep compassion for um, girls who do this because I was one of those girls who did who did this and I think a lot of us did it in a way maybe it wasn't in the the overt way of wanting to be of identifying with more masculine interest to put down other girls but we we all have all of all I'm talking to all the women here right? all the, the women women identifying people right we've all done this at some point in our life and maybe you were a person who just said, well, I don't have girlfriends because there's so much drama. Or maybe you were a person who, um, you know, shied away from dressing in certain ways. Or um, maybe you're the kind of person who doesn't believe that other people should have casual sex, that they should only have sex within certain types of relationships. You know, you can hold those beliefs. You know, we can, we can believe whatever we want, right? Like we can, we can, and we can engage with our bodies and our gender in whatever way that we want. Um, but it's when we then put those on other things and assign value to people who don't do what we do, that's when we're falling into this trend. So I think that, that there's like the two takeaways, right? There's the way in which we engage in, in women or with women or girls who are doing um, this type of behavior. We can be more empathetic and compassionate for them and maybe disengage um, from them on social media so as to not reinforce um this gender surveillance that, that we all do. Um, and on the other hand, we can have compassion and empathy for ourselves um, for when when we do this and remember that um, assigning value or judgment to a, a behavior that somebody else does that differs from your behavior can be very, very tricky. Um, and we don't want to do that when we don't know the whole story, right? And that's what makes it so difficult on social media is you can see a tweet or a TikTok video and assume you know what's going on with the other person, um, but but really not know. And so you're ascribing judgment to something that, that you don't know about. So in a roundabout way, I would say this article, this episode is about social media use <laughs> and being like more compassionate and disengaging, right? Not having to like everything or comment on everything um, that we can engage with social media, like still look at it without fully engaging in every interaction we could have on social media. So I took a long way to get us there, um, but I thought that this trend was so fascinating um, and that it, you know, it was so relatable <laughs> as someone who 
did did some of this stuff, but you know, didn't do it on the internet. I did, I did it on in like at my elementary school where there was, you know, forty people to do gender surveillance on me, not four hundred million or whatever. Um, so that that I think that that is how I'm able to approach this with with more compassion myself for um, the women I see engaging with this behavior online because they're they're doing it in such a public place and I think that it would be so hard to grow up on the internet and so I just have such deep compassion for you know some of the people who listen to this podcast who are younger and to you know anyone who is going through this this time of life this like adolescence time um, it's really hard it is really, really hard, and you are doing it in a way that no one else has ever done it. And so, um, you know, your your older generations, your parents or your older peers and, and mentors uh, don't really know what it's like, what you're going through. So I would imagine that also feels very isolating. Um, and I hope that adults online, <laughs> like, like myself and people my age, um, can have that compassion for you and give you that space and disengage from you when, when it's um, not appropriate for, for us to comment on, on the way that you're experiencing your identity and, and working through it. Um, so yeah, that's my take on Pick Me Girls. I think overall, it is deeply rooted in internalized misogyny, um, but that doesn't mean that we need to call out and harass people who who do pick me girl isms, but that we can have empathy and compassion for them, um, and that essentially it is uh, kind of a gender prison, right? Of doing pick me girlism, it's kind of putting yourself in a gender prison, and you don't have to do that, right? You can really build your gender expression and how you want to um, communicate your identity to other people in any way that you want, um, without having to put down other people and put down other people's identities. So. That's my soapbox for, for the Pick Me Girls. Um, I do want to wrap up this episode with just saying that I have made social media pages for the podcast. So we do now have an Instagram page and a Twitter profile. So if you're interested in following along, getting the updates when new episodes come out, um, please follow us. I will put the new handles um, in the link or in the uh, description of this episode Um, but basically on either platform you search psychologically minded um, you will find us eventually and I would love to hear from you the listeners hear what your thoughts are on this episode on any future episodes that you might want to hear about Um, I am working on getting some new guests for some future episodes um, to do some some fun new things with the show. Um, but as always, I thank you for listening. Um, thank you for sticking it all the way out. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. To see the sources and resources mentioned in the episode, visit psychologicallymindedpod.com or click the link in the show notes. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming episodes, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and see you in the next episode.